This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 53 with just Scott and Mindy. Every single guest, right? Every single guest has either spent less, made a change to spend less, figured out a way to earn more money, right? Invested in a way to, to, to earn outsized returns if they had a portfolio or undertaken some sort of entrepreneurial pursuit, right? Every single yep. guest has Every done that, one. right? And there's, again, there's nothing tricky about it. There's no surprises. There's no secret sauce. It's time for a new American dream, one that doesn't involve working in a cubicle for 40 years, barely scraping by. Whether you're looking to get your financial house in order, invest the money you already have, or discover new paths for wealth creation, you're in the right place. This show is for anyone who has money or wants more. This is the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. How's it going, everybody? I'm Scott Trench. I'm here with my co-host, Miss Mindy Jensen. How are you doing today, Mindy? Scott, I am doing fantastic. I went to the water park over the weekend with the girls and had a great time splashing about. Uh, it was a lot of fun down in Colorado Springs. I don't know if you've ever been to Great Wolf Lodge. You went in December? I went. It's an indoor water park. Ah, okay. <laughs> so many people are like, you went in December? No, no, it's <laughs> indoors. Anyway, we had a great time. They do a lot of things great. There's a lot of opportunity to separate you from your money if you want to take advantage of that, but they're not super over hard sells, which is really made me feel good about that. Oh, nice. Cause you know, it's really hard to say no when your kids are like, Hey, I want this. I want this. And you're like, mm. but when they don't even ask, that's better. Ah, there you go. So teaching them well, I'm trying. They still ask for everything though. 
so I'm super excited for today's episode, not because it's just you and me, although I do enjoy talking to you, Scott. You're a smart guy, and I feel honored to have you on the show with me. But I'm excited because when we were first talking about releasing a podcast, I wanted to put it out at a time when it wouldn't compete with the bigger pockets real estate investing podcast that's you know the already existing podcast. So I wanted to come out on Mondays and then I looked at the calendar, ooh, January 1st is a Monday. Hooray. And then luck would have it December 31st, 2018 is also a Monday. So we get this bonus episode and I wanted to take an an hour or so to go back over all of the things that we've learned over the last year because what I thought was really interesting over the course of recording this episode this show is that there's similar concepts in everybody's story or similar concepts in like half the stories or, you know, there's just, there's so many things that are not different. It's not, you know, nobody came on the show and said, oh, I won the lottery. That's not repeatable. Everything that we've heard is repeatable. And that makes it like possible for some people. I mean, I've had this money mindset for a while, but there's other people that are just coming into this space and thinking, you know, oh, I could never do that. I'm not a software engineer. And yeah, the majority of people that are in this space in the, you know, that have already retired early were software engineers or making high dollar figures, but not everybody. This Mm -hmm. is still achievable. Even if you're not making $400,000 a year. Yeah. I I love it. The goal of the show, right. Is to make financial freedom accessible to everyone. Right. And why is that important? Well, it's not, it's not like we're not here trying to help people just so they can retire and sip margaritas on the beach in Mexico, you know, all all day long. No, once you achieve a financial independence, you know, a, a level of wealth capable of sustaining financial freedom indefinitely, you go on to have an impact. First, you, yeah, you're living a happier, healthier life on your terms, but you can go on to have an impact that few else in society really can have. And so kind of what we're doing here is, hey, how do we get as many stories as possible from as many different people as possible that are all relatable that you can kind of understand and see how they're moving toward financial freedom? And you can see and, – and exactly, this episode, we can see the patterns that are going by. Hey, this person started with this kind of income, these kind of debts, this kind of stuff. This is you know how they move toward financial freedom. And maybe that relates to you as a listener, right? And then maybe another, another episode is someone with a, a higher income or a lower income than you uh, and achieved it in a different way. And by gathering all of those perspectives – I think that helps make this, like you said, achievable, relatable, and repeatable. And that's the goal here is just how do we make this as repeatable as possible so that everybody can efficiently move toward this goal without losing anything from their lifestyle or or whatever. And again, experience the power and freedom that come with having a, a, a passive income and a growing personal financial position. Yeah, without losing anything important, you will probably lose something out of your lifestyle, but it's not something that's going to matter to you now or in the long run. And I really like how you mentioned that the goal of this isn't just to quit your job and sip margaritas on the beach, which totally sounds like fun, given that it's like 30 degrees outside. I would love to be sipping margaritas on the warm beach in uh, Mexico or Hawaii or wherever, but that would get really boring after a while. And I think one of the personality traits that makes you able to be so driven and focused and, and reach this goal is going to prevent you from doing that forever. You're just going to get bored. You're a go-getter, you're a doer, and you're going to want to do something. But this concept of financial independence frees your life so that you're not worried about continuing to bring in money so you can put food on the table. Now you're worried about what's the thing that's going to make me the most happy? How can I live my best life? Yep, exactly. Okay. Mindy, what 
kind of are you picking up? What are you thinking? And I think we both are on the same page with this one. What do you think is the most important single thing that our guests have done across the board that has been critical to their success in, in achieving their financial goals? You know what? I think it is tracking your spending, especially when you're first starting out, but also as you're continuing on the path to financial independence. And way back in episode seven, we interviewed the couple from Waffles on Wednesday, and they talked about making a spending tracker. They have an article on their website that it's so easy to follow. Even I was able to do it. I actually taught my computer programmer husband something was you take a Google form, like a Google survey or whatever. You take a Google form and you ask the questions that you want to answer what you're tracking in your spending, what store you you spent at, how much you spent, what day was it, what was the category, groceries, clothes, whatever. And you keep track of this. They actually went further and said, hey, we put this on our phones. And that's when my computer programming husband came into the rescue and put it on my phone for me because that's not something I have a skill for. But Waffles on Wednesday gives you all the information that you need to make this spending tracker. You put it on your phone and basically every time you spend money, you write it down. You track your spending. The form puts all the answers into a spreadsheet. So you don't even have to go onto your computer and enter all your numbers in. They're already there once you enter them into your spending tracker, of course. And this is now, we started doing this, we've made it into a game. How little can we spend every month? And that makes me question every purchase that I'm making. Oh, do I really need this shirt? You know what? I don't. I just need the chips that I came to Target for. I don't need to buy this shirt and those shoes. And you know how easy it is to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars at Target. Sorry, Target, but I'm looking out for my bottom line, not yours. But yeah, tracking your spending is something that has popped up in so many episodes. What is it, like literally every episode? Yeah, I can't recall very many episodes that didn't start with this in some capacity. When it, you know, Either at the point when the guest became serious or when the guest just was kind of just starting out on the journey, just kind of dipping their toe in the water of getting their, their, their finances in order. Almost every single person has called this out as a critical component. I know it's critical to me and I know it's critical to you. I just don't think there's a single better thing you can do. And it's, it's 10 minutes. You, know, you don't have to go back five years with all your spending. Just set up a system and start tracking this month's spending or the last month's, you know, go back and, and see what you spent last month, right? It's not hard. And, and it's just having this information will open your eyes to the problems, to potential opportunities to save more money with your finances. Yeah. And even just knowing where your money's going. Another tip that I have heard from several different people on this show is to write down what you want your life to look like, what your ideal life looks like, what your day looks like, and then look at your spending and see if your spending is reflecting your ideal life. If you want to spend more time with your kids, then going out to concerts and going out to dinner with your friends and all of this isn't necessarily the best choices you could be making in order to live your most happy life. You know, Scott, another thing that comes up every episode is self-education. Nobody who has been on this show, who is is on the financial education path said, "Uh, you know what? I bet this will just work. I don't have to do any research. I don't have to do anything. I'll just change my life. And you can't really change your life unless you have some guidelines to help you out. And every episode, 
a guest has recommended at least one book. Many have recommended more than one book. A lot of books come up over and over again. The Richest Man in Babylon, The Millionaire Next Door, and your money or your life. Oh my goodness. I almost forgot like one of the most important books. I mean, we can, we can make a, a huge list, you know, total money makeover, right? Uh, I will teach you to be rich, rich dad, poor dad, right? I mean, these are books that come up all the time. Rich dad, poor dad is more so on the bigger pockets, real estate podcast, but, but we hear it here on this one as well. Yeah. I, I mean, the saying is you're the average of the five people that you hang out with, right? And you can't change who you hang out with like right overnight sometimes, right? But they're in your head. You can start listening to these these folks on, on an audible audio book or podcast. You can read those books and get the get those con- those concepts. Every single guest, we have not had a single guest who did not have a book to recommend, you know. And and most of the guests, I would say the vast majority, have referred to a piece of content that they read that changed their thinking about money in some dramatic fashion that moved them towards you know financial independence. So again, this doesn't have to be a book. It doesn't have to be a podcast. It could be a blog. I mean, it could be in a number of variety of different sources that you're acquiring information from. But I think that this is a critical component that has driven action for basically everyone we've had on the show. Yeah. You said a blog. How many people have recommended the Mr. Money Mustache blog? That's such a foundation piece for this whole movement is this guy who decided I don't need to spend every cent that I make. I can live my best life spending, I think he spends $25,000 a year, $30,000 a year. He likes good beer. He likes good coffee. He doesn't care about fashion. He does old fashioned workouts. He doesn't have his job. He doesn't care what people think about his car. So he has you know some just I think he's got a Nissan Leaf. Just like random things. He doesn't care about specific things that everybody else in America cares about. He just wants to be happy. So he's like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. Yeah, I, I, I think that it takes a genius, a genius to figure out all this stuff and pave the way, right? And really kind of go out and a pioneer and go out on, go, go out on a limb and do that, right? But thankfully, other people have done this for us. So we can literally just see what works and follow in the, in their footsteps and it's it's easy right we we haven't heard a lot of truly terribly difficult stories on this show but it becomes really easy if you just have the plan laid out for you by reading a couple of these folks who've already done it and know what they're know what they're talking about right it's a very easy several step system to get to financial independence you know if it takes some time it it definitely takes some time maybe easy is the wrong word it's simple Right. And it becomes simple if you self-educate and and buy in. Yes, it's not complex. And, you know, what's what I think is really important to point out is not only do they share what works, they share what didn't work. And this is true in the real estate investing podcast as well. People learn so much more from your mistakes than they do from your successes. And all of these bloggers, all of these books, all of these podcasts, they will share what didn't work as well. And I think that's really important. Something else that really works that we've heard a lot about is money dates. Having your spouse on board is absolutely the most crucial element of this whole financial independence journey. Because if you're a saver and they're a spender and all you do is butt heads all the time, you're going to have a miserable life. How do you get your spouse on board? Show them the life that you can have by sitting down with them and asking, you know, what is your dream life? What do you want to do all day, every day? Where does your happiness lie? Rosemary Groner from The Busy Budgeter, episode number four, 
Liz from Frugal Woods, episode number 10, Aaron Lowry, episode 24. What's Aaron's? Broke millennial. Every single one of these ladies has a money date with their spouse. And there's a lot more that talk about money dates too. I just couldn't remember everybody. I think Aaron Chase from episode three also talks about having a money date. You sit down and you go over your budget. This isn't a time to harass your partner or you know point fingers or anything. Just, hey, this is where we're at right now. This is where we want to be. This is where we're at. Here's our successes for the month or the week or what, you know, however frequently you have to have these. Here's our successes. Here's where we could have improved a little bit. Let's come up with a plan to work on during the next time frame. Like if you're having these weekly, if you're having these monthly, you know, this is what we need to work on. Being open and honest with your spouse is so important in this journey. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that one of the things that we've noticed, or at least I, I've picked up on is that often, almost every single time, there's one spouse that seems to be more in, or at least initially more in on the uh, concept of moving toward financial freedom aggressively than the other. And mm-hmm. guess what? If that's you, you're probably the one listening to Mr. to the Bigger Pockets Money podcast here. So the, you know, if that's you understand, you're going to have to make some compromises. And the key thing here is getting on board, making sure you both have share the same goals are tracking towards it and that you're doing enough of the big things right to move towards that in a timely manner. Maybe you can't do what I did and move into a, uh, the bottom half of a duplex with a roommate in up and coming neighborhood and make every single meal five days in advance for the first year <laughs> on your journey to financial freedom, right? Of course not. You can't do that if you're if you're well into a marriage and have a family going. But you can begin making some steps. And we're, we see time and again people who have made tremendous progress in just three to five years by getting their spouse on board and taking the, the correct steps forward. Yep. Uh, Jamila Soufrant from episode 39 talked about how her husband really wanted to have a nice car. She said, you know what? I don't want to deprive him of this, but I also want to show him that by spending that money now, we are costing ourselves this life for another three years or five years, or I can't remember exactly. Uh, Go listen to episode 39 and you can hear her story about this. And once her husband was finally on board and could see, you know what? That sounds mean. He wasn't finally on board. Once her husband was on board because she was the driving force behind it. Once her husband was on board, he's like, you know what? I really don't want that fancy car. I'd rather have time with my kids. I'd rather have time away from work. I'd rather just do this. So it's not necessarily an overnight conversion to get your spouse on board. Start small and be supportive of every positive step they're moving towards financial independence or, you know, changing their spending habits or whatever. Just start off by asking them, what does your ideal life look like? Is it sitting in traffic for an hour every day? Probably not. Yeah. So, so if we kind of just take a quick moment and recap what we've talked about, right? Uh, the three big, I think these are the three biggest takeaways that we've gotten from the show so far over the course of all the episodes, right? Now, first is that tracking your spending is absolutely critical to success, right? Second is that every guest, every episode has a book to recommend. Everybody practices self-education and you need to as well if you want to begin moving toward financial freedom. And the third is get your spouse on board, right? So the fourth one, which I think is is appropriately is appropriately placed here, is that there is no secret to this, right? Those are three remarkably easy things, and if you just do those three things, you're going to move toward financial freedom in a pretty timely manner. You're going to figure it out and make the change necessary to move towards this, right? I mean, we've interviewed 50 guests, 
and none of them have had a secret that shocked you, you know, that, that, that was like, oh, wow, I, I didn't believe you could do that. You know, I mean, maybe there's been some tips here and there and some tricks, you know, some, some ways to defer extra money or take advantage of some tax situations and all that kind of stuff. But basically everybody has said, no, I, I started tracking my spending. I read a book or a blog or listened to a podcast that changed my life. And then I got my spouse on board or I settled down and got into a rhythm. And then I hustled and, and worked through it, right? There's no secret sauce. Yep. Mr. and Mrs. Planting Our Pennies from episode 32 talked about increasing your savings rate. They talked about increasing your income. So now you're making a lot more money. Mr. Pop was in sales. He said, anybody can be a salesman. Anybody can be good at sales. And he, is, I mean, he could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman wearing white gloves. He is an amazing salesperson. But Anybody can be an amazing salesperson. They decided that they could actually achieve this. I think Mr. Planting Our Pennies discovered it, spoke to her, and she's like, no way. She's the numbers girl. She ran all the numbers, and she's like, wait a second. This will actually work. We can do this. And now they have reached financial independence. He has quit his job. She has not yet because she still enjoys it. But she has the opportunity to, should something change in her job? Should she decide that she doesn't like it anymore? Should she just decide, okay, we've got something else we want to do. We want to hop on a boat and sail around the world or whatever. You know, she has the opportunity now. She just still likes her job. So she chooses to stay. I can relate to that. Yep. I mean, every single guest, right? Every, every single guest has either spent less, made a change to spend less, figured out a way to earn more money, right? Invested in a way to, to, to earn outsized returns if they had a portfolio or undertaken some sort of entrepreneurial pursuit, right? Every single yep. guest has every done that, one. right? And there's, again, there's nothing tricky about it. There's no surprises. There's no secret sauce. There is right? no secret sauce. It is repeatable and it is doable. And one of the things when you first stumble upon this concept of retiring early by becoming financially independent, you're like, "Ugh, that's a bunch of crap. Or I'm going to have to give up everything I love and leave this life of complete poverty and misery just so I don't have to work. And then you start running the numbers. You're a numbers guy, Scott. Does math lie? No. Is two plus two ever anything but four? Nope. No. It's never anything but four. Numbers don't lie. And you run these numbers and you're like, oh, I really could get myself to a spot where I don't have to work anymore for money. I mean, you can't really, I guess you could just decide you're never going to work again, but that's. And and while you don't have to, it is helpful if you can bust out a Microsoft Excel or some sort of spreadsheet and build this for yourself and see the numbers work, right? You don't have to do it. That's not the secret to financial freedom. But if you can do that, you're going to really see it for yourself working and you're going to see your path right through to the finish line. So maybe that's a secret sauce that a lot of our guests have shared is, is spreadsheet skills and that, and that tracking your spending component. Yeah. And something that I hear from a lot of people, I get a lot of emails that are sent to money at biggerpockets.com. If you have a comment or a question, I'd love to help you out. I see a lot of emails from people who say, I don't know that I can do this. I have this huge past problem. I have a money issue. I went bankrupt. I lost my house to foreclosure. I spent a lot of money on this. I did that. Every single guest that we have interviewed 
has had a biggest money mistake. At the end of every episode, we ask our famous four questions. What is your biggest money mistake? I bought a car brand new. I financed, I co-signed. There's a lot of problems, but just because you made problems, you made mistakes in the past does not mean that your future money life is over. Tiffany Aliche, in episode number eight, she's the budget Nista. I love her story. She was on top of the world as a teacher. She had her own house. And then the bottom of the market fell out. The school she was teaching at closed. She ended up living on her sister's couch and she hit rock bottom when her sister said, hey, could you move out? She's like, wow. So she moved back to her parents' house. And she's like, how do I overcome this? Oh, I know. And she picked herself up and she started teaching other people about money. I know about money. I know I can fix these problems. She started hosting for the United Way, these uh, free money seminars. She's like, oh, I wonder how I could do this. I wonder how I could do that. And she just kept questioning, how can I do this for myself? How can I make this better? She has an amazing program now and has helped hundreds of thousands of women fix their finances, move down the path towards financial independence, or at least just financial stability, financial stability. And she can help you too. She's just an amazing person. Joel from FI 180, he was... What were they making? Six figures and spending six plus figures? Yep. Like every dime that came in, they had to get it out of their pockets as soon as possible. And he has my favorite quote of all time. When he left his job, he figured out his finances. He left his job and he said, what's the worst that can happen? I have to go back and get a job. My worst case scenario is everybody else's everyday life. Yeah. And one thing I will say that a lot of the folks who have come in and have had you know, a lot of the money mistakes we hear are credit card debt or bought a too too much car, right? Yep. We'll, we'll talk about housing in a, in a little bit. But if you've made a lot of those those mistakes and have that kind of personal or consumer debt piled up in the ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollar range, you know, we've heard time and again mentioned as a great resource, Dave Ramsey and the Total Money Makeover, right? That's come up with almost every guest that's kind of come from that sort of circumstance who's made a lot of progress in a short amount of time. And that might be a good resource to check out, right? You know, I've never had debt like that, right? But a lot of the people in order to get back that starting point have found that to be a really helpful place to start with that self-education. Yeah, you know, the Dave Ramsey Total Money Makeover or the Baby Steps, is is Baby Steps part of the Total Money Makeover? Yep. Okay, so he's got these Baby Steps, look, what is it? Like 4% of Americans could weather a $1,000 emergency expense or something like that? I think, I think it's more than 4%, but yeah, there's not very many. Yeah. <laughs> there's a surprisingly large number of people who can't handle financial emergencies. Yes. And I mean, $1,000, it could crush somebody. And it's a really low number of people in America who could handle that amount. And that's, I think that's baby step number one, save a $1,000 emergency fund and then, you know, start paying off your debt and save up for retirement and all these things. But I think Dave Ramsey is an excellent path for people who are negative net worth. It's a great way to get you to zero debt. And it's a great way to, to start you on the path towards positivity. I don't agree with his pay cash for everything, business. I do enjoy a good mortgage on my own house, but hey, if you don't want to have a mortgage, then don't have a mortgage, but he's excellent for getting you out of debt. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and then for the last kind of thing here about the past money mistakes is that a lot of our guests who have accumulated larger net worths, 
right, maybe a million dollars plus, seem to indicate that their biggest mistake was an opportunity cost, a failure to invest at an appropriate time, right? And not not always like, hey, I didn't invest in Amazon back five years ago when I was really low because <laughs> I'd be a millionaire now. But it's it, it seems, you know, something I'm picking up on is a failure to adhere to their investing philosophy uh, in, in a strict manner. So I forget which which episode it was, but um, Harry Mix. He had a his personal written investment philosophy written out, and he sticks to it. And even if you have a lot of uh, past money, even if you don't have a lot of past money mistakes, you know, a failure to continue applying your financial philosophy to your investments can be a big mistake that can cost you a lot of money down the road as well. Yes, it can. And Patrice Washington from episode fifty had a million dollars in real estate portfolio, more than a million plus. I think it was multi-millions in real estate portfolio. And she got pregnant. She had a high-risk pregnancy. She was in the hospital on bed rest while the real estate market was kind of crumbling. And she lost everything. And for years, she tried to fight her way out of it. You know, I don't want to declare bankruptcy. I don't, I want to pay off my debts and I want to do this. And finally she had a financial mentor that said to her, you know what? You cannot nickel and dime your way out of two and a half million dollars in debt. The only way to wipe this off is to declare bankruptcy. And one of the things that I love so much about her story is that her husband didn't feel like he was too good for any job. He needed to put food on the table. So he went and became a manager at Taco Bell, which is not the glamorous job that being your own real estate agent slash mortgage broker, driving around in a BMW, you know, living in a fancy house. That's not the same thing as working at Taco Bell, but he's not too proud to work at Taco Bell and he wants to provide for his family. So he's going to do it. And they pulled themselves out of their, I don't want to say hole, but it was a pretty big financial hole they finally said, we are going to declare bankruptcy. We're going to work towards getting past this. And now they're past it. It was a dark point in their life. And now they're living their best life possible. She's teaching people how to manage their money. And she's doing, she's America's money maven. She's doing a really great job of it. Love it. All right, let's move on. So, so again, we'll take another quick recap here. So the, the, the five points that we've brought up now, right, are tracking your spending, relentlessly self-educate, Get your spouse on board and consider doing money dates, right? There's no secret sauce. Nobody has come up with a secret plan that's unrepeatable here uh, for, for making more money and that you can overcome your past mistakes to move toward financial freedom. Right? Yep. Your past money mistakes do not dictate your future money mm-hmm. life. And just like Patrice Washington's husband worked hard and did what he needed to do, Hard work pays off. David Green's episode 12 is fantastic. David Green is the co-host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Investing Podcast. And his story of being a waiter, which is, and uh, please don't think that I'm talking down about waiters, but being a waiter is not something that every little girl lays in bed or a little boy lays in bed and thinks, ooh, I hope I get to be a waitress when I grow up. Like it's hard work. You're on your feet for 12 hours a day. And David Green's story is It's specific to being a waiter, but it encompasses the whole world. I worked hard. I identified the problems that my boss was having and I fixed them. I look like a genius. I look like an extra super hard worker simply because I'm making sure that I'm doing my regular job, but I'm also doing extra 
that's very important to my boss. And he would come in early and take like the last shift table from the previous shift. He would stay late and take all and every single thing that he did netted him hundreds of extra dollars every night that he was there. Yep. I mean, David Green exemplifies working hard and working smart, right? And and, yes. and having a, a rationale behind that, right? David Green, I think, applied all four levers that we as I described earlier of the personal finance equation, right? To their maximum effect. He lived extremely frugally, right? He went above and beyond and did everything he could, all the little extra things that he could to give himself a chance to earn more money and have a better, uh, better odds of success at his, at his waiter, at his career as a waiter, right? He certainly applies that today as a real estate investor and as a, uh, a real estate agent, right? And then he invested yes. aggressively in real estate Right. And he's turned his attention now to his own business and entrepreneurial pursuits. Right. Saved, spent little, tried to earn as much as he could from his day job, invested and eventually built his own business. I mean, that's that's how you do this. Right. And that's total dedication and hard work. And I think the really big lever that's moved the needle for David Green has been his work ethic and his ability to apply that work ethic and intelligence to earn more income in a dramatic fashion. Yep. David Green is a really amazing story of just working hard and working smart. He worked very smart and it he reaped huge benefits. He was the best waiter, the favored waiter. He was able to get, you know, pretty much he made his boss happy. His boss made him happy. Yep. I mean, I, I think that people who earn high incomes, right? There's exceptions, right? But David Green is a good example of someone who was in a profession that had the opportunity to scale, right? And when you're in a profession that has an opportunity to scale, that's really, I think, where your effort and concentration need to be, right? If you're an accountant, if you're an accountant and you're looking to be achieve financial freedom in a few years, applying that extra effort diligently to your job may result in a five or 10% raise on an annual basis, right? You might get a slightly better performance evaluation on the end of the year. I'm not saying don't work hard at your profession, right? But if you're going to go that extra mile and really apply it in that 10, 12 plus hour days, like the way kind of David Green did uh, building up his his career, right? That's where you got to apply that to a career that has the potential to scale. And if that opportunity is there for you and you can put the pressure there, that may be the fastest lever in driving you towards financial freedom. Yes. David Green is a real estate agent and there is no shortage of real estate agents. It's not that difficult to become a real estate agent. You and I are both licensed agents. It's in Colorado, which is one of the strictest states. It's 168 hours of coursework. Plus you have to pass a couple of tests. The tests aren't that hard to pass. So it really isn't that difficult to become a real estate agent. Real estate agency has a huge turnover rate because it's not easy. It's not hard, it's work. And the harder and smarter you work, the better you will be at your job, the more success you will have. You need to learn your market. You need to be able to read people. David is an excellent reader of people. How do you say that? He understands what people want and he works hard to give it to them. Yes, and he knows how to give it to them based on his experience as a real estate investor and as a real estate agent. Yeah, and there, there's a number of ways to command a very high income, right? Let's call it over 250K a year, right? And some of those ways just encompass like becoming a doctor, right? You apply 10 years 
of extremely dedicated work. You get straight A's the entire time through high school, college, and then med school, right? Get finish your residency, and then uh, th- that's a path to making over two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, right? The other ways to get there that are faster or that are outside that kind of academic track, right, are going to all require the smart application of the skill set that David Green is, exemplifies, right? Yep. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split. 
with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. And speaking of real estate, how many of our guests had a story that involved real estate? Episode two, I think you're familiar with the guest from episode two. His name is Scott Trench, kind of looks like you, does a really bad De Niro impression. How about the guest from episode one? Oh, the guest from episode one, Mr. Money Mustache. The guest from episode five looks like Mindy. me. Sounds like me, is me. Guy on fire from episode number nine. He house hacks in Washington, D.C., a notoriously expensive market. I actually have a friend who just moved to Washington, D.C., and she's like, what is with all these people wanting to share rooms, like two people on the couch and one in the closet or whatever? Very expensive market, and he's found a way to make it work. Yep. Joel Larsgaard from episode 16, also a house hacker. He and his wife live with a friend and they rent out kind of the back half of their house to her and they all share a kitchen and it works really well for all four of them. Five of them. They have two daughters now. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite stories was Tony Gaiden uh, from episode number 21. And aside from losing like 250 pounds and building a $500,000 plus net worth in just a few years, uh, he also got started with a house hack, I believe, and began reinvesting in real estate. And now he invests in uh, long distance in a different market. But yeah, his entire story is just amazing. Do you know anybody named Chad Carson? No, who's that? Uh, I think he wrote a book. What's it called? Retire Early with Real Estate. Oh, yeah. Look, you can retire early with real estate. Chad Carson is an unemployed bum. He's never had a real job since college, since graduating from college. But he just decided, hey, I can be a real estate investor when I graduate from college. So he did. He bought a property and then he bought another property and then he bought another property and another and another. And he's got what, like 90 units under him now. And he periodically goes through and like gets rid of the dogs and keeps the really good ones. And he doesn't work. He works, what, like an hour a week or something like that, didn't he say? Yeah. And, and what I love about Chad in particular is he really had a good why behind that, right? He wanted to build a passive portfolio that would support a lifestyle that he and his family wanted, right? And I think a lot of folks that when you hear them talking about real estate, they always want to go really big, right? They're continuing to build bigger and bigger and bigger portfolios, right? And Chad knew exactly where he wanted to stop and has really kind of built a, a portfolio that meets and exceeds his goals. And he, he's not trying to aggressively expand it to the next level because it gives him what he wants. It gives him that financial independence that he's looking for. Yep. And when I say 90 units, some people might think that, oh, that's a lot of units. And, you know, that is a lot of units, but he owns a lot of them with partners. But that provides him enough income that he doesn't have to have a job. He and his wife, his wife is a 
Spanish teacher, I think. They wanted to immerse their daughters in the Spanish language. So they moved to Ecuador for 15 months and their daughters attended school and learned perfect Spanish. And he he jokes that the girls will correct him when he uses a word or a phrase wrong. But you can't just take off for 15 months and go live in Ecuador if you have a job. If you have a job that you, if you need to have a job to provide income and food for your family. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Craig Curlop was episode number 35. He's, what is he, like 26 years old? He owns two properties or three? He, he owns two properties right now. Okay. So he, and in the Denver market, which is very hot, you can't make any money in the Denver market. I don't know if you've heard that, Scott. Everything's too expensive and nothing cash flows. So Craig bought an up-down duplex and rented out his bedroom of his half of the duplex and slept on the couch and was cash flowing something like $1,700 a month. I can't remember his exact numbers, but he was making money in a city where you can't make money in a super hot market. He also then lived there for a year, bought another property, a five bedroom property, rents out all the other bedrooms, lives in one and cash flows something like $1,500 a month there too. All of his living expenses are paid for because he's a frugal guy are paid for by these two rental properties. And yeah, he had to sleep on the couch for a year. He was 24 at the time. He could sleep on the floor if he wanted to. You know, I, I don't want to sleep on the couch and I have young children. So I don't want to invite people into my home that I don't know, but this works great if you're a young kid. And what did he say? He's got $80,000 in student loan debt. And this question pops up a lot in the bigger pockets forums, biggerpockets.com slash forums, where people will ask, I have debt. Should I invest? Or should I pay off my debt first? And until I heard Craig's story, my thought was always, well, why would you invest? You should, you know, at least invest to get the company match if you're doing a 401k, but you should focus on paying down your debts. And Craig didn't focus on paying his debts. I think he paid the minimum or even maybe deferred them. Do you remember if he deferred them? I I think he was paying the minimums. Yeah. Paid the minimum and then bought a house. And then continued to pay the minimum and bought another house. And now the cash flow from these, because he still has a job, he works here at Bigger Pockets, but because he still has a job, he doesn't count on that cash flow to sustain his lifestyle. He's throwing all of that at his student loans so he could pay those off. So then he can pretty much be financially free. He's got all of his expenses paid for just on two properties. And he's not going to stop once he hits the, the one year owner occupancy requirements for his mortgage, he's going to start looking for another property. Yeah, I I think that's that's a fantastic episode, an example of how much progress, how quickly you can, just just how much progress you can can make really quickly if you are extremely, you know, you go all out on it. I love his story. It's exactly, it's exactly what I would be doing if I were in his position, right? Going through it. And I think that it's just a very, I think he's put a lot of thought into his situation and is really understanding the risks. Hey, this deal could work out and, you know, could not work out. And maybe I'm even more in the hole, but the odds are enough on my, on my side. And I'm willing to live in such a way as to make them as high probability as possible that I can go ahead and buy two properties before I start paying down my student loans. Yeah. And if you look at his lifestyle, he has completely cut out his transportation costs. He has completely cut out his housing costs. He lives for free. He hacks his housing and lives for free. 
because somebody, when I say cash flow, all of his mortgages paid, all of his taxes, and then additionally, he makes $1,700 a month or $1,500 a month. Um, yep. And he gives the exact numbers in episode 35, but it's just, it's so doable in a hot market where you can't make money, nothing cash flows, nothing is a good deal. And he's said, I don't care what you think. I'm going to go and make my own luck. Love it. Well, I think we've covered now the seven major points, the seven kind of key critical points uh, that we've seen kind of come up over the, over a couple number of episodes, right? Yep. This year, this the 50 episodes this year, 50 guests. Number one. Tracking your spending is key. Number two, self-education. Every episode, somebody's got a book or another piece of educational content that they consumed that changed their life and put them on the path toward financial freedom. Yep. And what is your favorite finance book, Scott? Well, I, I won't plug my own. I, I would say that The Millionaire <laughs> Next Door is probably my favorite, right? So, Have you read <laughs> The New Millionaire Next Door? Or The Next Millionaire Next Door? I have not. I'll have to go check it out, though. Yeah, I'm going to get that book, too. I haven't read that one yet. What is the name of your book, Scott? Oh, Set for Life. Yeah. Set for Life by Scott Trench. Number three, get your spouse on board. Have a money date. Ask your spouse, especially if they're not quite on board. Ask them what their ideal life looks like. What would you do if money was no object? Use that question to start the discussion and, you know, give them time to think about it. Maybe even set a date where there's no kids, there's no TV, there's no dishes to do. There's no nothing. You're just sitting the two of you and talking, grab a glass of wine, grab a soda, you know, a cup of water if you're healthy and just sit down and talk about your ideal life. If money was no object, what do you want to do? I love flipping houses. If money was no object, I would still buy really ugly houses. I just might not live in them. Uh, but I would still buy really ugly houses and flip them. I love real estate. I love to travel. I love to spend time with my kids. What does your ideal life look like? Love it. Uh, number four, there is no secret sauce. If you want to move toward financial freedom, you're going to have to spend less. You're going to have to earn more. You're going to have to achieve high investment returns, or you're going to have to be a uh, because you know build a new income stream or asset, entrepreneurial style. Right? There's no way around it. You have to do one of those capacities or all of the above, right? You have to improve somehow. And if you're looking for the secret, you're never going to get there. It's just an application of hard work and intelligent risk-taking, understanding the odds and increasing them as much as possible in your favor through self-education. Um, <laughs> stop looking for that secret sauce and understand the levers and apply pressure to those key points in your financial position as methodically as you can. But also there is no secret sauce means that you can do this. This is yep. repeatable. This is doable. Listen to these stories and pick out the parts that you think apply to you. Oh, I love real estate or I don't like real estate. I like investing in stocks. Great. We've got different people who have different investment strategies. There is no secret sauce and it is repeatable. Number five, past money mistakes do not dictate your future money life. So you bought too much car, you bought too much house, you spent way too much on credit cards right after college, you have a 400 credit score. Take the steps necessary to fix those past money mistakes so that you can have the best future money life. Yeah. And then one, one episode we didn't mention that I want to kind of call attention to is episode number 22 with Travis Hornsby. And he talks about pursuing financial independence with large student loan debt, like six figure plus student loan debt. So there are ways to do this, even if you have a lot of student loan debt relative to your income. 
Yes, that was a really excellent episode. I didn't graduate college with student loan debt, and I wasn't aware of some of the repayment programs that are available. But it's definitely worth checking out that episode, especially if you have a lot of student loan debt. Also, an episode listen to if you have kids that are going into college. You know, one of the things that he said that really stuck with me was, you know, when you're helping your child choose a college, private schools are going to be way more expensive than public schools. But ask them, is this the only thing in your life that'll make you happy? Is there something else you could do that would make you almost as happy, but doesn't come with the huge crippling debt, especially like veterinarians. I didn't realize this. They come out of school with three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. And they're making that's that's med school debt, but they're not making med school salaries. Yep, absolutely. I mean that that's it's just like a very tough uncomfortable question that we have to ask because the problem is that people are making that decision before they're 18 years old in a yeah, lot of before cases. Before they're mature. So. My, my choice, I mean, don't, I'm not trying to dog on veterinarians. My choice was fashion design. That was a really not right for me major. I wish I would have studied business or finance. What did you study, Scott? I wish I was you. Uh, economics and finance. Oh, I don't want to study so. that. <laughs> Uh, I never use it anymore. Yeah, you never use it every day in your life. <laughs> um, the sixth kind of big takeaway, though, is that the intelligent application of hard work in a performance-based career can really be the driver that propels you toward financial freedom. Yep, right? that is- Exemplified by David Green. Exemplified by David Green in episode 12, work hard and work very smart. In, in a career that has the opportunity to provide performance-based rewards that are infinitely scalable. And finally, number seven, real estate is an excellent way to financial independence. Awesome. Well, let's, let's transition here real quick. And um, so we have a couple minutes left. Let's really quickly go through some tips, some practical tips that that we can kind of walk away with. And let's let's focus these around saving money because I think that this is the component that is most difficult for most people to kind of transition to if they're looking to move toward financial freedom is how to actually and dramatically cut back on expenses across really four major categories uh, of spending that have come up in the past episodes. And those those areas of spending seem to be housing, transportation, childcare, and healthcare. Food is a huge component of people's spending, but typically no one really has a difficult time understanding how to optimize their food budget, right? I, yes. I, haven't, I haven't heard that come up as a challenge for folks. Not really. And if they do, they can go and listen to Erin Chase's episode number three. She really breaks it down on how to reduce your food spending. And she doesn't talk about couponing. She doesn't talk about, you know, all of these shopping the sales. She actually, she does talk about shopping the sales. Go into the sales flyer, look for the meat that your family will eat and make your whole meal plan around that. But plan your meals. I mean, that's, it's so easy to spend a lot of money on food, but it's so easy to not spend a lot of money on food. Yep. Yep. So for housing? Yeah, let's, let's start off with housing, right? So the first major expense is housing, right? And, and we've talked a lot about housing on over the course of the show, right? There's a whole variety of different ways to do this. You can house hack and try to cut that expense out entirely like I did or like Craig Kerlop is. 
You can buy a house that's well within your means. You can rent a place that's pretty reasonable and close to work. There's a lot of options here that work depending on which market you live in, what the real estate prices are, uh, what have you. What we don't hear a lot of is we don't hear a lot of people moving towards financial freedom who live in a the, the largest house that they could qualify for and make mortgage payments on that on a regular basis, right? So there's gotta be some happy medium between buying all of the house that you can possibly qualify for and living in a, a content way that can help you move toward financial freedom in a reasonable manner. Yeah. You know, I think that if you really want to be financially independent and your house is your biggest expense and house hacking isn't an option, at some point you're just going to have to get over the fact that other people may look down on you. Well, this goes to my other favorite quote, Coco Chanel. I don't care what you think about me. I don't think about you at all. <laughs> I have a small house. It's 1800 square feet and people come over to my house and the outside has this really big porch on it. So it could look like it's bigger on the inside than it actually is. And I have had some people come in and be like, Oh, this is kind of small. I don't care if you think I have a small house. You know what I have? I have an $1,100 mortgage payment. That's what I have. And that makes my heart sing. I am happy to write my $1,100 every month because it's not 4,000 that I was paying at the last house. And if you don't like me because I have a small house, A, you're not a true friend. And B, I don't care. I'm going to be laughing while I'm sipping margaritas on the beach and you're still at work when you're 65 because you have to have this big house so everybody thinks you're rich. I don't care if people think I'm rich. I actually, when I was looking for this house, I had given my real estate agent my price limit of like 250, I think. And there was another house that had come up that was $500,000. And I asked her if we could see that. And she said, can you afford that? And I was like, yes, mission accomplished. And then once we finally moved into this dumpy little house, my neighbor across the street was congratulating me on my purchase as though it was my first house. She's like, oh, good for you. I'm so proud of you or something like that. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> this is the cheapest house I ever bought. Yep. Yeah. I think that, like, I live in 700 square feet with my girlfriend and if it gets too crowded in there, that's too small. It's because I got too much stuff, right? Oh. And that's a huge barrier to freedom. Like, there's, you know, the point of accumulating items in today's world, you know, today's age, other than like the things you kind of need to be happy, seems it seems so irrelevant to me. It just it just seems like it's just a constraint on your life. It locks you to one place. It forces you to purchase more and more square footage. You know, it's expensive to maintain and it's difficult to part with. And and I think that that's one of the big things is like, take a look at all the stuff you have, right? I mean, we've had guests on the show who've been, who've been commented, you know, I didn't even go into a room in my house in the last year and, yeah. and it was time to make a change. So I think, I think that there's, understand what it is that you need from when it comes to your housing and understand that that can be the biggest thing that's holding you back. So Anthony Angaro from episode 48 talks about minimalism and what you just said is so like, it's like you're reading my mind. I have too much stuff. I have way too much stuff. I need to get rid of it. I am ending the first month of a minimalism challenge where day one, you get rid of one thing. Day two, you get rid of two things, etc. So I have gotten rid of 496 items in my house, which sounds like a lot. I bet you couldn't even notice. So in February, I'll be doing it again and probably in April. 
And I think every other month I'm just going to do it and continue to get rid of all these things in my house that I don't need, I don't use, and I won't miss. Yeah. And, and think about how liberating it is to have to get rid of all that stuff and then have a house that's ready to go, for example, for Airbnb. You can take off for a month and pay for that whole trip for free, right? You can rent out a space commercially like uh, Anthony did, right? You know, there's so many different applications to your residence that are being taken up by your items that are, that are limiting your ability to move toward financial freedom, not just because you can't downsize, but because you can't repurpose any part of your house to be used. You know, if all your assets are in one house, an equity in one house, you're in a really bad position to really to enjoy any of the freedoms that you've heard the guests on the show talk about. Yep. Let's move on to transportation. Oh, Craig Curlop in episode 35 has such a great story. He also bought a car that he didn't really need. I think, did he buy it new? I think he bought it new. And he rented it out on a site called Turo, where you can rent your car to regular old people and they would use you instead of using a rental car company. And he was making so much money on this car every month. And then when the car got totaled by one of the people who was driving it, renting it, Turo paid him more than he bought the car for when they totaled it out. Yep. I mean, I mean, that that's like I would say that Craig takes this to its logic, take, takes the you know transportation question, the expense transportation expense question to its logical extreme, right? You buy you buy a car and instead of, rather than having it cost you nothing or cost as little as possible, you actually turn it into an asset that can produce income by renting it out, right? And then you know he would he would so he rents his car out and he'd bike to work, so it's a, you know as low a cost or a negative cost as you can possibly get in terms of your transportation. Now. That's not repeatable for everyone, but it's an example of the farthest, the best way possible. The worst way possible, the hardest way, you want to make this a really big challenge for yourself to move toward financial freedom, is buy a new F-350 jacked up red, shiny red 2019 pickup truck, right? And drive that both ways to work in your flat city that most <laughs> of the time doesn't have any snow or ice on it, right? So, so between those two extremes, there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a reasonable middle ground, I think, for how you can kind of move, get yourself to and from work. So my approach, and I could have been more efficient, is I own a Toyota Corolla. I bought it brand new in 2013. It's 2014. So I bought it uh, at the, December 2013 is when the new models come out. So I bought a 2014 Toyota Corolla, and I actually just paid it off in November of 2018, right? And if I could go back again, if I was buying a new car right now, I'd probably buy something like a Toyota Corolla that's from 2014, five to seven years old. Because I think to me, it seems like it has a good trade-off between economics and longevity for the car. So, Yes, I have a Honda Element that I bought brand new in 2003 and will drive until it's dead. And a Mazda 5 that I bought in 2010, brand new, that I will also drive until it's dead. But those are the only two cars I've ever bought brand new. I will probably never buy another brand new car. Yep. All right. So let's move on to childcare and healthcare. So let's, let's talk about childcare first. So what are some of the big takeaways you've seen from uh, from guests who are tackling the childcare problem? Uh, some of the big takeaways I've seen is that there's no easy solution. There is no magic button. There is no, oh, I want to have a baby and go back to work and pay a dollar an hour for childcare. It doesn't happen. What I have seen is couples splitting shifts. So one of them works the morning, one of them works in the afternoon, and they take care of the kids 
when they're not working. Um, I've seen relatives, the solution with Jamila Sufrant, her aunt moved in to help her take care of her kids. Um, Alyssa Peros from episode 29, her mother-in-law takes the baby one day a week. Her mother takes the baby one day a week. And then the other three days a week, the baby goes to, or two days a week, the baby goes to an inexpensive daycare. And then one day a week, she works from home. So, but there is no easy solution. There's no, oh, go to Bob's daycare and it's only, you know, it's free. It's going to take some work. My husband and I, when we had our children, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. That's another viable solution. But, you know, you're losing the one salary. Now, are we really losing a salary? I wasn't making very much money. It was going to actually cost more money for me to put my child into daycare than it would for me to stay home. I would be paying, I would be working and also using some of his salary to pay for childcare. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. But I had always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And I'm. we made those financial choices ahead of time. We didn't take the vacation every year. We didn't buy the new house every year and the brand new car and you know all this stuff. We lived very frugally so that we could take time away from my work. Yeah. I mean, it, it, seem, it seems like, I think, that, I think that's a pretty accurate summary of of the problems that people are facing with it. You know, if one spouse earns significantly more than the other and the other spouse, like in your case, it's just not economical. You know, it, it, it can be effectively significantly less than minimum wage to, if you look at the trade-offs to work and then pay for childcare versus stay at, you know, stay at home. If childcare is $20,000 a year, right. Which it can be in some of these markets and you're working for 35, you know, 20, let's go $24,000 a year, $2,000 a month. Right. And you're making $40,000, right. You know, after tax, you know, that's 35, it's $11,000 a year that comes out to 550 an hour. You can, a rational person can say that is not a worthwhile trade-off. One spouse got to stay home. Right. The other part of this is it's expensive to move away from family. Right. Mm -hmm. We're noticing a lot of folks Oh, we had someone on one of the early episodes that lives in Pennsylvania. What was their names? Alyssa Peros, episode number 29. Yeah, so so it's it's ex- like a lesson here is it's expensive to move away from your family. So, if you're move if you if you live in a major city that's far away from where maybe your parents or your spouse's parents live uh, or any other relatives, then there's no ability to leverage that family thing to take care of situations when there's an emergency, right? Every time something comes up, you have to hire a babysitter or figure something out. You know, you don't have that option of maybe one day a week or even two days a week of your parents or your spouse's parents coming in and watching watching the kids. And that's a trade-off you have to understand and kind of come to terms with, hey, the income or the career potential of wherever you are had better be pretty significantly, you know, significantly in your favor if you're going to walk away from some of the advantages of being around your family. Right. And my income potential was, that was a dead end job that I was in. There was no significant improvement. There were several years I didn't get a raise because the company was doing poorly. So it was very easy for me to walk away. But also, and I do want to point out because there are some women who really do want to have a career. I didn't have a career. I had a job. It was very easy to walk away from my job. It wasn't anything that made my heart sing. And I did want to spend time with my kids. I wanted to raise them. I didn't want to put them in daycare and we could afford it. So that's what we did. We, it was not, I mean, we weren't even doing anything with my salary anyway. We were just funding the 401ks. That's how much money I was making. Yeah. 
And, and then the last takeaway I have is, you know, from, from my perspective, selfishly, like, what am I learning from all this? Well, it's build some passive income and create a state of a retirement level of wealth as early in life as possible, because yes. I will not have to deal with these problems. And that's my, my privilege uh, from having house hacked early in my twenties and built some things up is if I decide to have kids then I can potentially make that choice and either decide, Hey, I'll use some passive income to pay for childcare or stay home or create a situation where my spouse could stay home. Yeah. And I don't think that privilege is the right word. You made sacrifices in your twenties so that you can have the life that you're living now. You're still in your twenties. So (laughs) you made sacrifices in your early twenties and how long did it take you to sacrifice? You had a year of house hacking with your friend. And yeah, then you it, had another year of house hacking with, is he your best friend? I, I sacrificed hard? everything but the uh, the fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but that, that's the point. That the point is that if you can take care of these, if you can really apply the, the pressure intelligently early in life, then a lot of these problems aren't problems later. And that's what I'm, you know, I'm hoping to share with some of the younger listeners as well is, is hey, if you can do that, you know, this, it gives you a big advantage when you are making these tough choices, raising a family. Right. And how much of a sacrifice was it to buy a property slightly outside of the hot area of town and live with your friend? No, I, I mean, look, I, I definitely agree with you. I wouldn't be recording a podcast telling people how to handle their money if I didn't believe in what I was talking about <laughs> and think it, and think it worked. So, but yeah, I mean, I th- I think it absolutely is worth the worth the trade off. It's not that big a deal, and it provides immense opportunity down the road getting into those first few assets for sure. Um, well, let's move on to healthcare. So, healthcare has actually been the pleasant surprise for me from. Uh, this year of podcast recordings, right? It seems like this insurmountable hurdle, but really what we, I think my big takeaway from a healthcare perspective is that healthcare is extremely expensive if you have a very high income. So if you are, for example, going to retire and live off of passive income, less than $30,000, $40,000 a year, there's a lot of options out there through various government programs that are currently allowing you to, to get pretty good, reasonable healthcare at a low rate. Veterans have a big, a big advantage. Like that's, you know, if you're looking to achieve financial freedom, you have a military background, you have a huge leg up on the rest of the competition because you have that, that, uh, the VA, if you're looking to travel around the world, healthcare is a non-existent issue. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we do record our episodes in advance and in two weeks, we're releasing an episode number 55 with Christy and Bryce from Millennial Revolution. And they go into detail about how they fund their healthcare and it's nothing. What is it like $25 a month or something like that? It's so low cost if they're outside of America. When you're inside America, that's when healthcare kind of shifts and changes. Yeah, so if you, if you do want to travel the world, it's actually quite cost effective to do so. <laughs> it seems like perhaps one of the best things you could do to move toward financial freedom is build up your asset base, buy a house or a house hack, and then put it on Airbnb and travel the world because you could do it for way less than you expect every single time is what we kind of heard time and again from from the folks who are doing that. And then there's a couple of other programs as well with for for healthcare where we heard one from um, PT Money. He joined a co-op. Is that right? The the health share co-op. Health share. Yes. Yep. And PT Money was episode number 38. Um, he shares 
his health costs with a lot of other people. The, the way that this health share works, his has a religious component to it. Um, I think you need a letter from your pastor, your church pastor, to that says that you're a Christian, you're a member of a Christian church, but everybody kind of pools there. You pay your premium and it just goes into a pool. And then most of the time you're not sick. But when you have a bill, you submit it to them and they pay it for you. And I mean, that's an oversimplification of it, but there's no, they cover pre-existing conditions, don't they? I think the first year they- I, I they can't don't... recall all the details on on the specifics of it, but I think the bigger point is to know that it's an option. Yes, it's an option and it's a much lower cost option. Yeah, so I think I think a lot of people struggle with this problem. This is not just early retirees. This is the problem that the self-employed face, you know, entrepreneurs face, right? This is an issue that comes up time and again, and there are plenty of solutions out there. The most expensive one seems to be to earn a high income and live in the United States. So <laughs> if you're attempting to do that, then uh, you know you're going to pay a lot for healthcare, but hopefully you can supplement your, you know, still work toward building wealth and maintaining a, a strong financial position because you're earning a high income and spending less in other areas. Uh, one other episode I want to mention simply because it was just a fabulous episode is the episode with the mad scientist. That was episode number 18 that he talks about the HSA as the ultimate retirement account. And the Mm -hmm. HSA is the health savings account. It is only available with a high deductible insurance plan. Um, and a high deductible plan basically doesn't cover any expense until uh, well, like $15,000. So you you basically have $15,000 deductible and then it kicks in. So it's more of a catastrophic plan. Um, and when I say it doesn't cover any expense, I'm lying. It is. It covers uh, well child visits. It covers your annual exam for a woman and I believe an annual physical for a man. But it doesn't cover anything with prescriptions or anything like that. However, if you are a otherwise healthy person, it's a great option. Love it. Yeah. I mean, what, one of the things you should do if you are interested in, in this is listen to our podcast and other all the other ones on financial independence, retire early, and then teach people how to exercise and eat right and save this country a trillion dollars a year, whatever it is in how much we're spending to treat all of these completely preventable, avoidable diseases centered around overeating, obesity, lack of exercise, right? Poor dietary intake, lack of sleep, right? Like go solve that problem for us and bring all our healthcare problems, challenges down. (laughs) So to summarize, like our learnings on healthcare, you know, again, very expensive to have a high income and purchase your own experience, your own health insurance in America. And we don't really see very many ways around that, right? After you retire, if you reduce your taxable income through passive investments or with a low lifestyle expense, there are options that can reduce that cost dramatically. If you are a veteran, there's free health care. Take advantage of that HSA plan. And if you want to travel outside the United States, you know, healthcare problems kind of cease to be material. Uh, and healthcare costs kind of cease to be material relative to your financial position uh, if you're if you're supporting an early early retirement. And then lastly, you know, why are these costs going up in the United States so much? Well, there's a variety of, of answers, but one thing that one action that you could potentially take is you know listen to this podcast, retire early, build up a personal financial position, and then go educate the country here on how to prevent some of these diseases. You know, how to live, how to eat reasonably, how to exercise, how to you know get vaccinated and prevent 
the spread of uh, easily treatable or easily preventable illnesses that are a result of people not vaccinating. Uh, that kind of thing might be really big help, might be a really worthwhile exercise to pursue, um, even though you're supposed to be technically retired, right? Internet retirement police will come after you. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, that's the, yeah, the answer is there are no easy answers for, for a lot of these, but there are answers and people are solving them and they're not insurmountable and they are repeatable, these solutions that people are, are bringing to the table. Yeah, there's definitely a solution for every problem that you have. All right. Okay, before we leave here, I just want to say to everybody who's listening to this episode, as you start the new year, whether you're just discovering this podcast or you've listened to every single episode, start tracking your spending. Uh, Make it a game that you and your spouse play. How little can I spend today? How little can I spend this week? And, you know, give yourself a reward. Your normal spending is $3,000 a month and you can get it down to 2,800 and you can, you know, go out for ice cream or go for a big walk or go see a movie or, you know, do something that you don't normally do to reward yourself for, you know, making a gain. And every month try to get a little bit better. Yeah, absolutely. That That is the number one tip, right? You're already self-educating if you've made it this far through the podcast. So go track your spending and look at what you're spending. See if you can make a, a change. And I guarantee you there will be there will be opportunity for improvement that you can go, go after right away. Absolutely. Okay. Scott, shall we get out of here? All right. Before we leave, we're going to walk out of here with a couple of Christmas puns. We didn't get to do them last week because we didn't play it ahead. So we're doing them now. Congratulations. All right. My girlfriend, she's an English teacher, so she'll like this one. What do you call Santa's little helpers? What do you call Santa's little helpers? Subordinate clauses. (laughs) All right. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. uh, Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is you celebrate, uh, we wish you happy holidays and a happy new year. From episode 53 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, this is... Scott Trench and Mindy Jensen saying happy new year and we'll, we'll see you next year. Ha ha ha. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals, enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com slash deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. 
Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.